0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good evening and welcome, welcome. So tonight I'd like to share a little story and... In the story, there's some teachings in there as well. This is a well-known story. Some of you may know it. Maybe some of you won't. It's um, based on a person who shows up in the Pali Canon, and she has a kind of a minor role in the Pali Canon. But the commentaries, which were developed hundreds of years later, kind of really flesh out her life story. And this is very common, this is what the commentaries do, kind of like add, flourish, shall we say, to uh, some what we find in the polycanon. Canon. So this is the story that, or maybe I'll say that, um, there's a few different versions of this story, different places in the commentaries, and I'll be doing a version that's kind of been modernized and embellished with a little bit more details. So I'm not reading precisely what's from the commentaries, but the, the the story is exactly the same, just some of the details have been changed a little bit. And so this is the story of Kisa Gotami. Maybe some of you might have heard of her. And during the time of the Buddha the story is that uh, she lived in the city of Saviti which was one of the biggest cities at the time and she was uh, from a poor family really she didn't have a lot of money at all and she was actually quite thin maybe because she was uh, didn't have a lot of money so this name Kisa actually it means like skinny. So we could think like skinny Gotami is uh, kind of what her name was. Gotami is her family name. And so um, she got married into a wealthy family. And, but her, her family, like her in-laws, uh, treated her with some disdain. And was common in ancient India, and sometimes in in some families in India today, that uh, when a woman marries into a family, she goes and lives with the in-laws. So, you know, this is a hard time to live with people who disrespect you and don't treat you well, necessarily. So she's living with individuals who she feels like aren't taking care of her or looking out for her and maybe they even treated her poorly thinking that uh, she should serve them or something like this so but then um as it happens she gave birth to a son and this was good news and everything changed in my mind maybe this was like the first uh Grandson, Because then all of a sudden her in-laws treated her really well, her extended family were so happy with her, trying to take care of her so that she could take care of her son. So all of a sudden, right, her status changes. Her life changes. Because not only is she a mother, but also, you know, others are treating her differently. With maybe a little more warmth or respect. So... She was very devoted to her son, as you might imagine. And one day, after her son had uh, learned to walk, that her son trips and falls, and presumably hits her head, and he laid there motionless in the street, or wherever this was. Can you just imagine, right, if... uh, your child, you see there, trips and just an accident, and is lying in the street and without moving. And she tried to revive him. Of course she did, right? Any mother would do this, any parent would do this, any sibling would do this, right? Tried to revive him, and she tried everything that she could think of, but uh, the son wasn't, didn't come back, didn't re- wasn't revived. Nothing seemed to work. But she was convinced, oh, he must just be unconscious. So she scooped him up and brought him home to her extended family. Because she had this idea, if only she could just find the right thing to do, then he would recover, then he would uh, wake up and things could go on as they were. So in her anguish and confusion and grief, she was unable to see Unable to quite grasp that actually her son had died. But she was convinced that if only she could find the right thing to do, that uh, she could bring her son back to life. So she, when she brings him to her relatives, they could clearly see, oh, their grandchild had died. Grandson had died, this... Beautiful child is no longer alive, and they tried to convince Kisa Gotami, you know, there's nothing we can do here. Your son has died. But she was determined. No, 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 you don't understand. My son is still alive. I just have to find the right medicine. Right? We can feel like this anguish that she must find. This she must feel. It's heartbreaking. This is like everybody's worst nightmare. So she felt like okay there's got to be some medicine or that can restore him. So she went to the neighbors and was asking, carrying her son, like is there anything you can do? Can you help my son? And she went along from door to door asking if anyone had the medicine. But She was unable to quite process what all the townspeople were telling her, like, your son has died. We can't bring him back to life. Nobody can bring him back to life. But she didn't want to give up. She wouldn't give up. Had this determination. Clearly, there must be something that can be done. So she goes on throughout the neighborhood searching for the medicine and some people tried to help her and console her and help her with you know her like not being able to understand but she's like no 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 I just got to go to the next household maybe they have medicine that can help with my son Some of them when they saw that she was carrying a baby that was clearly no longer alive and she was asking for medicine. They thought, oh, that she must not be right in the head or this must be a trick or for some reason they just felt a little bit mistrustful and shooed her away and they were cruel towards her in her grief and in her despair. But she was determined and so she went, she continued door to door In my mind, she must be in tears and, you know, maybe just like a mess. Maybe she's wailing or begging, somebody please help with my son. So some versions of this story say that Kisa Gotami was crazed with grief and there's this emphasis on this kind of this craziness but when i read that i kind of feel like yeah well when somebody's no longer alive you know they're no longer alive and somehow the 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 versions of the story that emphasize the fact that she's crazed i feel like okay i can't really relate so much the story it just feels like, oh, isn't this a cute little story from uh, thousands of years ago? The story continues. I'll, I'll continue on. But right now I'm inserting a little bit of my commentary, my commentary on the commentary. But when I started to think about this some more, I realized actually there's a way in which things that are really important to us and in fact we're identified with We don't let go of those things readily, of course not. What would it be like if we noticed that our health all of a sudden was, you know, taken away from us? We would be looking for whatever we could do to have our health restored. What if somehow there was, maybe we lost some of our mental capacity due to a accident or something like this especially if we were identified as somebody who could do a job well a job that required thinking or figure things out and then all of a sudden we can't quite figure things out i know some people with long covid have this experience right with brain fog we also would probably have a lot of determination trying to figure there's got to be something that can be done Especially when we consider that Kisa Gotami, right? not only is she a mother, but her life had changed so much with the birth of a son. So we can imagine that when something that was so important and that was made her life maybe had meaning or some, some depth that she hadn't experienced before. So how would we feel if we lost something that we were deeply identified with. Maybe a job. A lot of people when they get retired, right, it's not uncommon, some people their well-being really deteriorates because they no longer identified with the person that was, you know, has this particular role. And I know I certainly had that experience when I decided to leave my job in corporate America it took some time to like, well, wait, who am I if I'm not the person that has these responsibilities or you know, this job, this title? So there's a way in which I think many of us, because loss is just part of human life, many of us could relate to Kisa Gotami, this poor person who's just not ready or willing to accept that her son has died not willing to accept that something that she was deeply identified with and deeply loved is no longer present. And also I was thinking about this I thought well you know even our society in some ways kind of uh, has created all these uh, ways in which makes it easy to deny some of these things. For example Cosmetic surgery, right? All of this is like, well, I no longer look how I used to look, or I don't look how I want to look, or, right? Can you imagine the time of the Buddha? That was just unimaginable. But now, if you have a lot of money and time and will or something, right, you can go under the scalpel and oh, maybe look younger or something like this. Or maybe, you know, there's all kinds of questionable health treatments or supplements right there's always something there's always these new fads that happen right because people want to maybe not uh, be with their aging something that's going to happen to all of us maybe even some people buy red sports cars because they want to feel uh you know some vitality or something that they didn't feel earlier So, returning to this story of Kisa Gotami, she's going to the house, she's going door to door. Do you have any medicine? Can you help with my son? And one time she knocks on the door. She knocks on the door of this elder, an elder woman who was very wise and thought, oh, this child, Kisa Gotami, is clearly beyond what I can say just to help her. And her son, of course, is beyond the help of any medicine. So this, recognizing there was, Kisa Gotami was in great need, recommended that she go see the Buddha. So the elder warned, elder women says Sakisa Gotami good woman go and see the Buddha the enlightened one and ask him whether he has any medicine for you and then she asked well where is the Buddha she had heard of him before but uh, hadn't interacted with him before so she asked well where is he and then quickly hurried there still cradling her dead son when she reached where the Buddha was, she went straight up to him, fell down at his feet, crying out to him, Lord Buddha, I beg you, please give me the medicine which I need to wake my child from his sleep. Straight away the Buddha recognized what was happening. He understood Kisagotami's situation, the state of mind, figure out what was needed, and he, he said to Kisa Gotami, good woman, I do have some medicine for you, but in order for this medicine to work, you need to obtain a small quantity of mustard seed from a house in the city. And Kisa Gotami's like, oh, no problem, Mustard seed is readily available, it's really uh, inexpensive, probably every household has this. She's getting ready to go, and then the Buddha says, But wait, this must come from a household that has not known any death or the loss of any loved ones. In my mind, Keith is going to i me, like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then just like goes off, like she just wanted to go to this house to get mustard seed. She goes to the first house that she can see. Knocks on the door. They see her carrying her dead son. Please, do you have any mustard seed? Yeah, sure, we have some. They go to get it. And the Kisikotama is happy. She's going to go back to the Buddha. And then she remembers, oh, wait, I need to ask about something else. Have you had any loss by the way, has anyone ever died in this house <laughs> or have any of you ever lost a loved one? Yes, of course. In fact, just a few months ago, our grandmother died. Oh, Kisako to Tommy's disappointed and gives back the mustard seed. So she goes to the next door. But they had mustard seed, of course. But again, someone had died in that household as well. And then she goes to the next door. They had mustard seed, and somebody had died. And the next house, and the next house, and the next house. But she's very determined. So she keeps on going to house after house. They all have mustard seed, and all of them have experienced death and the family. And after a while, Kisukotami stopped even asking for the mustard seed, but it was just asking, has somebody died in your family? Yes. Our child died last month. Yes, my husband died. Right, we can imagine in ancient India, right, they didn't have modern medicines that we have, and Even from infections there would be deaths. And she couldn't help noticing actually how many houses has lost a child, whether it was in childbirth or when it was still an infant or when it was a baby or a toddler. And as maybe at the end of this day she started to finally realize that, oh, she wasn't alone in having a child that died. And in fact, it wasn't even unusual to have a child that died and she realized that the universe was not picking on her so to speak or that she wasn't unique but this is just what happens sometimes children die other terrible things happen. So inserting my commentary, when difficulties arise, we often feel angry, like we want to blame somebody, or we feel isolated, we feel ashamed somehow, like somehow to get sick or to have a tragedy, we feel like, oh, there's the universe must have malfunctioned in some kind of way, or there must be I'm getting uh, something bad is happening for a reason, like it's my fault or something like that. And maybe we often think that nobody has the same difficulties we have, that ours are more difficult than others. It's like, yeah, you don't understand. Okay, you have your difficulties, but mine are different. And it's true, right, that all of us the particularities of our suffering is different. But there's a way in which, you know, suffering is suffering. But all of us have it, and it doesn't even make sense to compare one person's suffering to another. Also, we need to, there's a way in which we need to process our grief And sometimes the grief includes denial and bargaining before we're able to accept it. Right? Elizabeth Kubler-Ross included these stages about grief. Maybe the Buddha was also talking about them in this story, right? Telling Kisa Gotami to go find a household, a mustard seed with which there hasn't been any death. So returning back to the story So Kisaka Tomishi, Still feeling the pain Of the loss But realized Oh My son has actually died And this is what everybody was trying to tell me But I was unable Because she was disturbed By her anger and her denial And her confusion of what had happened So she lovingly carried him on his final journey to the churnal ground. And once she had placed him there, she uttered this verse. It's not, it's not just a truth for one village or town, nor is it a truth for a single family, but for every world settled by gods and humans, impermanence Indeed, is what is true. So, noticing that things don't last forever, I'd like to talk a little bit more about this idea of impermanence, because the biography of the Buddha includes some passages about his first students. The very first student was a Kundanya, and after spending some time with the Buddha, and the Buddha gives him some teachings, Kundanya becomes awakened, and he says, he utters a verse, and in this verse he says, whatever is subject to arising is subject to cessation, also pointing to impermanence. The second, after the Buddhas, the five ascetics that were with him, Kundanya is the first of them, some of you may know this story, but after those five get awakened, then the Buddha goes, the sixth person is a householder, a rich, wealthy person, speaks to the Buddha. The Buddha gives him some teachings. His name is Yasa. He becomes awakened. He utters a verse. He says, whatever is subject to arising is subject to cessation. He's also pointing to impermanence. So there's something impactful about seeing impermanence. There's some, it's a kind it of transformative, it can be a shift. But often when we think about impermanence, and certainly in the story of Kisa Gotami, it feels like, oh, things that we like end, or things that we want go away. Sometimes we don't recognize, recognize some of the benefits of seeing impermanence. Because when we tend to think of it, we tend to focus on the challenging aspects of it, but impermanence helps puts things in perspective. Maybe if we are t- tuned in or recognize that things arise and pass away, they don't last forever. I mean, intellectually we understand this. But when we start to have an experience, like maybe like Kisa Gotami did then we start to, maybe it penetrates us and we start to think, what are my priorities? Recognizing that I don't have unlimited time. What is important? How should I spend my time? How should I spend my energy? Loss is something that brings depth to our lives even though it might be painful but it can also bring some meaning it can bring a way that really highlights what's really important for us there's quite a few people right who after the death of a loved one have really their life takes a different direction often in service for other people one, something that comes to mind, right, this was popular now, I don't remember if it was the 80s or the 90s, but, but Mad Mothers Against Drunk Driving, right, somebody whose kid had died because, from a drunk driver, and wow, it's such a big change now. When I was younger, I remember there wasn't such an emphasis on don't drink and drive, and now there's such a huge emphasis, partly due to that. But also impermanence allows growth and development to happen. Of course it does, right? If things were always the same, then we couldn't grow. We couldn't change. So impermanence is needed. Like if we want to develop on this path, and maybe on one level this seems so obvious that it's not even worth saying or stating, but there's a way in which implicit in, in cultivation is this idea that things can change. They can develop. They're impermanent. But there's also a third benefit of impermanence that often we don't think about or we assume or we maybe like brush it under the rug or something like this and that it prevents things from being like stultifying or boring, you know, stayed Because there's a way, and sometimes we feel like, oh, okay, things are steady, I just want it to stay like this. Or I feel okay, I just want it to stay like this. Of course it doesn't happen, but have you ever imagined what it would be like if it did happen? If things just stayed how we wanted it to? It would, it would be claustrophobic and like a type of prison, just stuck there. So impermanence also leads to some sense of vitality, or, you know, the change kind of like keeps us paying attention, awake or consistent with our lives. Even though sometimes we want things to be steady, if they were, we probably wouldn't want that either. And then I'll say that wisdom comes from seeing impermanence on a deeper and deeper level. Kisa Gotami, she couldn't see it in the beginning, that things change, that her son had in fact died. But then she was able to see it. So sometimes initially we don't see that, oh, actually things are changing. They're inconstant, or ended. But then often we do. So even though other people might be pointing, or there might be lots of things they're pointing out, like things aren't the same, we might be showing up with the same patterns or the same expectations. But wisdom arises when we start to see, oh, yeah, okay, it's not like how it used to be, and it's changed. And in fact, it's maybe inconstant, like flickering, it's not even as steady as we thought it was. I like this uh, analogy that I heard Gil give that he attributed to his teacher. So here it is like third hand and then I can tell it to you guys and you can tell it to somebody else Right? this analogy. It's kind of like uh, seeing a row of ants in the distance. It's like, oh, there's a whole line of ants. We've got to do something. We've got to take care of these ants. But then when you get closer and you look like, oh, there's like a gap in between the ants. It's not like one solid line. It's just, in fact, there's little gaps there. So sometimes, not sometimes, actually our experience is that way. We can't really see this until we have like a quiet, meditative mind. But recognizing that helps us to let go it just doesn't make sense to hold on to something that's slipping away, that's there one moment and then not there the next moment. it just doesn't compute anymore. And there's just this natural letting go. We know that grasping is a source of suffering, but we often don't notice like the real subtle suffering that we're doing. And that's pointing to some of the subtle suffering as kind of imputing some solidity or some steadiness that's actually not there. And so we don't have to make this effort to let go, it just naturally happens. And of course this leads to greater freedom. So returning back to this story, Kisa Gotami. So Kisa Gotami returns to the Buddha respectfully, like bows before him and thanked him for his teachings. Then he asked, then the Buddha asked Kisa Gotami whether she had managed to get the mustard seed and she replied, no, I have not. Mustard seed is easy to obtain, but a house untouched by death cannot be found. Good woman, when I said that I had some medicine for you, you may have thought I was promising to cure your son, but indeed the medicine was not for your son, but for you. I can see that the medicine has done its work. She has this new understanding. And then the Buddha recited this verse. A person deranged with a mind that clings to sons or possessions is swept away by death that comes like a mighty flood to a sweeping town. So a person is swept away by death. We could understand this two ways. It's swept away like just lose your bearings. No longer standing steady or feeling like you know where you are or where the... Where you, where you stand in your life or in relationship to others. But we can also understand this, that a person is swept away, that the me the way that she thought about herself, the way that she was so identified with being the son, with her son, that person, that identity, also gets swept away. And then upon hearing this verse, Kisakotami Tami attains the first level of awakening. She was, you know, having deeply affected by the, what had happened that day. It was this, maybe with this profound grief or confusion, she was able to let go in a, in a deeper way that allowed more freedom. So often we do find freedom right after going through difficulties even though it's it's really not any comfort while we're in the midst of difficulties. But just this encouragement to keep on going. Sometimes we just collapse and feel like, oh, it's always going to be like this. It's not always going to be like this. Things are impermanent. They change. Sometimes we really have to be Paying attention, maybe paying attention to what's being pointed out to us by others, or maybe just what's being pointed out indirectly. Yeah, things aren't always the same. We sometimes want to just slap a label, like, okay, this is bad and this is terrible. And we're not noticing that actually there's, it's dynamic. And there's parts of it that are perhaps even just perfectly neutral. We just instead have kind of put the, assigned it to this black box. and never want to look at it again. I don't know who to attribute this saying. I think it's a famous saying. And it says, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> so you can get on the other side. And then maybe I'll end this story with uh, Kisa Gotami. She is uh, she becomes completely awakened. She becomes an arhat, and and we know this because some of her verses are in the Terigata are um, preserved. Her verses of her awakening verses. And maybe I'll talk about that at another time. But so for her, unfortunately, she had to go this terrible difficulty, but it helped her to see something that maybe she wouldn't have been able to see without this and don't get me wrong I don't wish that the absolute tragedy of something like this on anybody it's just maybe an encouragement to recognize things change including our difficulties and that Maybe there's a way in which, in the midst of them, we can find our way with them. Maybe not collapse into them, but find a way to take the next step. And I think with that, I'll open it up to see if there's any questions or comments. Kisa Gotami, skinny Gotami. You guys, had you heard all that story before? Is this a familiar? No? No? Yeah, some of you are saying yes. It's okay if nobody has comments. You don't have to say anything, but I just want to provide the opportunity. Okay. So maybe we'll end a few minutes early then, and I wish you all a good evening and safe travels home. And if you like, you're welcome to come up and talk to me afterwards. But thank you. Maybe that's.